0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 330 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Melissa Steinhoff. Melissa lives in San Jose, California, where she works with her orthodontist husband, but she is also a mom to four teen and preteen age kids. So welcome, Melissa. Thank you. I know you have your hands full, but it's uh, such a fun time watching them grow up and turn into the adults that they're going to be before you blink your eye. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) true. Well, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Well, I have a long story. (laughs) Well, we're here for it.
1: I have a similar story to one of your previous people that you interviewed, Robin. Okay. I heard her story and was like, oh, that sounds like mine, but a little bit in the opposite way. I was born and raised in Venezuela, and my country is well known for three things, being an oil producer country, the home of the tallest waterfall, and the country of where Miss Universe comes from. (laughs) So you can imagine how much pressure girls have there in Venezuela. I remember traveling to the States and once I just said I'm from Venezuela, people would say the country with the most beautiful girls in the
0: world. So No pressure at all, Melissa, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, you are beautiful. People can't see you, but you are gorgeous.
1: <laughs> Thank you. So you know, and usually my country people are very blunt, and
0: you know they would just say, "What happened to you? You have gained weight. You're fat now." Oh no! Was this after you had been to the United States? Well,
1: yeah, and you know just the way people greet you, and that's how people treat each other. Those messages come from mom, dad, grandparents, neighbors, everyone. So looking back at pictures, I was always a chubby girl, but at certain times of my life, but I always
0: felt chubby, even if I wasn't. (laughs) because the pressure was on i can imagine if you're coming from the idea of everyone needs to be like miss universe and that's your ideal a normal person does not look like miss universe you can start to think that your body is is not the way it's supposed to be if that's the ideal you felt chubby even if you weren't
1: yes and we as women were always measuring ourselves you know our bust and our waist and our hips to have the Miss Universe size. <laughs> right.
0: And how many of us naturally have that body shape? Not yeah. me. <laughs> no, not, not no. very easy to accomplish either. No.
1: And we don't have the exercise culture there is here in the United States. We go to the gym as needed. So when we are actively trying to lose weight or you know, have a special event coming up, a wedding, a beach or something like that,
0: Okay, so y'all very much in Venezuela viewed exercise as a means to weight loss. Yes. Not as something that you did for health, but all right, I got a beach trip coming up, time to exercise off the excess, whatever. Yes. (laughs) Okay. That makes sense if you're focused on body size, that that would be why you would, you know, because I know that's what we thought of exercise for so long. You did it to lose weight.
1: Yes, we were always on a diet, you know, as kids, you know, especially girls,
0: they would tell you from very young age, you can't be eating that, you know, you're going to get fat. So what was the diet like? Like, how did they want you to eat? I'm just, I know what it was like in the United States, but in Venezuela, what was the diet culture?
1: They tried to eliminate a little bit. It was like low carb. Okay. Yeah.
0: We always tried to eliminate the carbs.
1: I read a book that you recommended in one of your podcasts that was called French Women Don't Get Fat. I remember that book,
0: yes. Yes.
1: And I felt so identified with the author because she came to the States as a young girl and was here for for a year, I think. I also came as an exchange student at age 16, and I immediately gained about 20 pounds in a school year, so 10 months. (laughs) So when I went back, I was a size 12 as a 17-year-old girl. So that was... (laughs)
0: And the blunt people were like, what happened to you? For sure. Yeah. (laughs) I can't imagine. That happened after I went to college. And I came back home after my freshman year of college. And I was at my mother's dance studio wearing a leotard and tights. And some girl said, what happened to you? And I was like... (gasps) I had gained the freshman 15, and I swear, I think I started my diet. I was counting calories, but I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So,
1: yeah, even my dad, I mean, we didn't have the internet we have now, right? So they hadn't seen me in 10 months. So when they saw me, they're like, wow, you gained weight. (laughs) Well, when I went back to my country, it took me about a year, and I lost all the weight Kind of as the author describes in her book, naturally, you
0: know, just eating our food, our cultural food, and it just went away. Right. You were not like trying to diet officially. You just ate the food that you had been eating, the food of Venezuela, the real food, not the American junk.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and we have a lot of junk food too, but, you know, we just try not to eat those when we are trying to actively lose weight. But in my country, we basically eat three meals and very seldom we eat snacks or desserts.
0: It's not in our culture. And, you know, that did not used to be in the American culture either for a long, long time. I mean, if you go back, you know, people did not eat between meals. They had three regular meals, they didn't snack all the time. We've really added the snacking in the past few decades, like to the point that it is now. But I think if everybody just went to three meals, no snacks, no dessert, <laughs> Yeah. Stopped with all the beverages that we're drinking all the time. I think that would make a huge impact.
1: (laughs) I think so, too. So when fast forward, I met my husband, and my husband is American. (laughs) So I came to live here in America again. Now, where did you meet him? Was he in Venezuela? Yeah, he went to Venezuela for cleft palate team. I was translating for him, and we met the last day. And then we kept in touch.
0: Then I came to the States. <laughs> I love that story. I just had to go there. I had to know because I was like, tell me about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know how you would have met him. But that is a wonderful story. So the fact that he came. So he was doing volunteer work in Venezuela, helping, I guess, kids with cleft palates. Yes. Oh, I don't even know your husband, but I love him. He's very lovable. Well, I can see that because, you know, that takes a very caring, loving heart to want to go and volunteer and help kids that need you. So I can tell he's a good guy. Yeah.
1: So um, I met him and I came to live here in the United States. And And what year was that? That was about 2002. Okay. I kept trying to be in shape. I was very scared to gain all the weight back. Because I knew that here it was going to get big anyway. (laughs) So I came to the States and I was size three at 22 years old, five foot tall, five four. By the time we got married in court, I was already size six.
0: Okay. And that was only about a year and a half after. (laughs) Yeah. Was it just that the food was different? That was really what it was?
1: I think so. And uh, the food difference, he likes sweets, you know, the happy, that happy love. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And after that, after we got married in court, I went back home to finalize paperwork at home and I lost all the weight at home. I came back at uh, weighing 132 pounds and I was so excited because I was getting into my wedding dress and you know, I felt beautiful. We got married. Soon after
0: our wedding, I was size eight. Okay. So it just kept going up. Yeah. Yeah. And you were early 20s and... Yes.
1: Yeah. And I was active. I was being active here too, but I guess I was eating too much. <laughs> then I got pregnant with my son. And then I was, it was party time. I was eating for two. I remember those days. I was like, well, baby hungry. Right. (laughs) And then all the stuff that I had been denying myself, I kind of gave myself permission to eat and I felt like, oh, I'm breastfeeding. Everything is going to be good. You know, all the books say that and, you know, I'll be fine. And of course, then I got pregnant again. Yeah. And uh, then
0: I was pregnant with twins. Oh. <laughs> so your second pregnancy was twins? Yes. Okay. And that yeah. is a whole different experience. I cannot even imagine. I mean, I thought about what it would be like to have twins, but I never really thought about how different it would be to be pregnant with twins. Yes. It's so I also- was eating for three. Right. <laughs> and how much bigger you get so quickly.
1: Yes. Yes. Immediately you can see a belly when you're about only two months pregnant. So (laughs) with that pregnancy,
0: I got all the way up to 183 pounds.
1: So I was horrified.
0: Yeah, and I I bet you felt just like, ah.
1: Those two babies. (laughs) Yes, yes, but I thought, you know, for sure it's going to be fine. You know, I'm going to be breastfeeding and I'm going to be very busy with three babies, but I never lost the weight. (laughs) Then um, I try harder. My other child was born four years after. So in those four years between my twins and my last baby, I did a lot of diets. I did Weight Watchers. I exercised a lot. I was breastfeeding. So it went down, you know, I went back to size six to eight, you know, I was always there in that range. And then um, my mom decided that she was Coming to help me, and she started cooking the South Beach diet. And that's a lot of, it takes a lot of prepping and cooking. Yeah,
0: that was one diet. I had the book because everybody was doing it. It was really popular, and Oprah was talking about it. And I remember everybody. So I was like, all right, well, then I guess I'll do it. Cause that was when I was doing all the diets. And it was so complicated. And I'm like, I'm pretty smart and I can't figure out how to eat like this. So never mind.
1: Yeah. I was very blessed that my mom was there to do all that yeah
0: I can't do all that
1: (laughs) she did all the cooking but you know that's not a way to live you know she did all the cooking and I lost a lot of weight I went all the way down to 145 pounds and I was so excited and then I got pregnant with my fourth (laughs) and I was so sad because you know as happy as I was being pregnant I was kind of sad knowing that I was gonna gain all that weight worked so hard to lose. So I had her and then I stayed back up between size eight pants and I couldn't get down. And I grew increasingly sad, I think, you know, and and I felt like my body wasn't responding to anything I was doing. And then I started listening to podcasts to help me get happy with my body. Like body image podcast. And I'm like, I'm done exercising. I'm done dieting.
0: Nothing is working. And maybe I'm just destined to get bigger. You know, I totally understand that because I had gotten to that point too. I'm sure you've heard me talk about that. But we try so hard. I mean, you had now been struggling with the weight since you had been that exchange student back in high school and came back 20 pounds heavier. So it had been a long time for you that you had been struggling with that. And you get to the point where you feel like a failure and like I just can't do it. And then you just, it's like you've had all that willpower for all those years because people who are struggling with their weight have more willpower than people who are naturally thin. I'm sorry, naturally thin people, but I live with one and he doesn't have to rely on willpower. He just, it's just what his body does, right? (laughs) Those of us who have struggled with our weight, it is so, so hard and we tried so hard. And then finally we're like, I can't expend this amount of mental energy on this for another moment. Yeah. Yeah.
1: kids are getting big, they're teens, they don't listen. And, you know, (laughs) it's this kind of sadness of that, uh, those teen years when you're the mom, it's a little bit awkward. I don't know. It's just they are developing their personality and you're kind of wanting to be on top of them and you have to give them that freedom. So it was a combination of things that kind of had me a little bit in the depressed side. <laughs> but at, at the same time, I was feeling like I don't have anything to be depressed for. I have a beautiful house. I have a, an amazing husband. I have four beautiful kids. They're all healthy, you know? So it was just me, my body, my how I was feeling. So I kept listening to these podcasts. And one day, this lady in the podcast said, well, you can." start dieting and I'm like, oh, done that already. And then she mentioned something about intermittent fasting. And I was like, oh nice. What is that? I've never heard that. So when I came home, I researched intermittent fasting and I found your book.
0: Yay! <laughs> Which book was that? Did you find Delight on Deny or Fast Feast Repeat?
1: Delight on Deny. Okay. So I read that and you know that's easy to read. It's short. It's so relatable.
0: I was like, oh, this is me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's so many of our stories, right? And that's what I love about doing this podcast so much, because everybody is different. Everybody has a unique story. But the underlying theme is the same, that we have struggled for so long. And it's just been, we're tired of it. That's really what it comes down to.
1: Yeah. It was great. I read your book. I ordered it. I read it. And the next day I started. So that was uh, March 23rd, 2022. I was 190
0: pounds. I had never been that big in my life. And you're 5'4". So that that's big. That's that's a large size for 5'4". Yep. And I was so
1: afraid that I was just going to hit step on those 200, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: That was the threshold I never wanted to cross. And then yes. when I had to realize I was on the other side of it, I was like, oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, I started doing it. And then, you know, I told my mom about it. I thought, oh, she's gonna be like, you shouldn't do that. That's not healthy. Well, it was the opposite. She was like, I'll do it with you. <laughs> Yay, mom. Yes, <laughs> she's the best. She was always there helping me because in her mind, she also had the same culture of trying to be thin, even though she was always being pretty thin herself.
0: So, But she knew that you had to really work at it and she wanted to help with that. And so she was ready to support you. And it was also something that y'all valued because of the way your culture values that. And I, I totally get it. So I lost
1: all the weight that I wanted to lose, and I got to 130 pounds by November 14, 2022. Wow, that was really fast. Your body loved it
0: then. Yes, yes. So from March until November, you lost, wow, 60 pounds. Yes. That's amazing. And November 14th is Chad's birthday, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So you got to your weight of 130 pounds, and that is fantastic. And that's less than when you were married, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, I couldn't believe it when I stepped on the scale and I saw that number. But, you know, that didn't last too long. Then I decided to do the one meal a day to kind of stay in that range. And I am in the range. I kind of give myself a 10-pound range, but I think my body really likes the 140 range. I wish I could go a little lower, but I am not going crazy about it. I'm trying to enjoy what I have and
0: (laughs) I feel great. I think that's the most important thing. You know, we can get a number in our head that we really want to be, which is why I threw my scale away. Cause I I had that number in my head that I thought I needed to be. And then I didn't weigh that. And I'm like, but do I really want to be smaller? No, I just want to see that number that's, you know, forget it. And I threw my scale in the trash, (laughs) but what we really want instead of a goal weight, What we want is a gold lifestyle, a lifestyle where we don't have to stress. Maybe we're a little squishier than if we could snap our fingers, we would be, but we're not willing to work as hard as it would take and to get to that lower weight. You know, I could be less squishy, but I don't want to live the lifestyle that goes with that. So I will live the lifestyle that keeps me right here where I can feel good in my body. It's like the balance between what you want to do, how you want to live and feeling happy in your body.
1: Yeah. And that's what I like about you and your podcast. You always repeat things like that. And that has stayed in my mind. And I'm like, yes, I am happy. I am living okay. You know, I'm living good. And I don't deny myself any foods.
0: Now everything I can eat, everything I want. I want chocolate. I eat chocolate. I love it. You know, but we could make ourselves miserable trying to get to a weight that our body is not going to maintain without a lot of struggle. I don't want to live like that. Yes. You you can eat all the foods that you want and no more stressing about it. Yes.
1: Yes. So. I'm happy. I feel like I can eat with my son when he's a big boy. And he's like, okay, let's go and have a breakfast burrito. And even though I'm skipping breakfast, that's the meal that I try not to eat. When he invites me to eat a burrito, I go and eat a
0: burrito. 100%. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. The old me would have said, I can't eat a burrito. You know, I'm gonna eat a salad or, you know, and then not even knowing that probably a salad is not as good, you know, or
0: better than a burrito. Yeah, I would not be as satisfied from a salad. Like, I ordered a meal. It was like a taco salad, a Green Chef meal. And I love Green Chef, but I ordered a taco salad meal because I was like, oh, this will be good because, you know, it's summery. And I, will en- I love all these flavors. But after I ate it, I was like, I got to have a sandwich now. Yeah. <laughs> I am not somebody who can I mean, it was a lot of food like filled up, but it didn't satisfy me because it didn't have anything like bready or carby or something. That's just me. It was a delicious green chef salad, but I was like, I'm not ordering any more salads. Yeah. I can have a salad before my dinner. Then I need a dinner. (laughs) But you're right. You can eat with your son if you want to. No stress, no guilt. Yes, for Sure. So tell me about your eating window. You mentioned that you lost your first 60 pounds when you were first doing it to November. What was your protocol? Like what kind of fasting pattern did you do? And then what are you doing now?
1: So at the beginning, I started kind of two weeks doing the 16-8. And then I decided I was going to up it because I felt like I could go longer. And then I'm like, oh, I can do... OMAD, uh, one meal a day. So I went one meal a day, but then I kept listening that you guys were saying you and Melanie because I heard that a podcast too that if you stay in the same protocol all the time then you could just
0: plateau. Yeah,
1: plateau. <laughs> so I decided to do the 24 and then the next days, I would do 69, and then I would switch them like that. Then I started listening to Dr. Fong too, and they have their protocol that is that ADF. So I started doing the ADF.
0: So you've tried all the different things over the time. Yes, <laughs> the ADF worked really well for me. I love hearing that because it really is a great protocol. And it sounds so hard. Like, I wouldn't say everybody start with that, right? That once you've built up your fasting muscle, if you can fast for 19 hours, you can do ADF. Yes. You can. It's not that it's physically harder. It's more of the emotional kind of a thing. Once you get your mind, you know, wrapped around that, your body is well fueled. Once you flip that metabolic switch each day, I think sixteen eight might be harder than (laughs) because you you never quite flip in that switch as well. Anyway, I want to go back to what you said about one meal a day and being too strict with it. And it's funny, Melanie and I had that. I don't know if you listened to the episode where we had that big like it was like a. Famous episode, or it's like we were disagreeing about what one meal a day was. Yeah, it's like oh, they got mad. I am the kind of person that I almost wish we never came up with the term one meal a day because it engenders a lot of confusion in general. You know, like who's to say what you define something as? You know, is that a snack? Is that a meal? Is a snack and a meal a multi-course meal? So it, it matters less what we call it, but if you're eating too little. If someone's doing 23-1 every single day, 23-1, 23 one you can only eat so much food in one hour. And so your body is more likely to adapt. What the research on alternate daily fasting shows us is that you're less likely to adapt with the up and down pattern. Yeah. Because the up days are boosting the metabolic rate, the down days, that's when you tap into fat so well. I mean, I lost weight with a daily eating window. That's what I did. I lost weight with a daily eating window, but I naturally varied it just because some days I had a shorter window and then another day someone's like, you want to go to lunch? And I'm like, yes. And then that day I had two meals. I naturally varied it just because of life's flexibility. But had I been someone who was like more disciplined and stuck to 23-1, maybe I wouldn't have been as successful with a, a daily eating window. But the natural variation that I did, I think helped. In hindsight, I didn't really know why I was doing that. (laughs) (laughs) So now you're just, you're flexible as it goes. Do you do any ADF now?
1: Right now, I'm currently doing it again, just because I am on the 140. And well, this is one thing that I wanted to tell you. I went to my doctor. Okay. I was so excited. I'm like, oh, yay, I lost the weight. And and the doctor's like, oh, congratulations. You look really well. You know, you have lost a lot of weight. You're numbers look fine. I actually got my fasting insulin, which was 4.1. Fantastic. Yes. All right. Then the doctor said, what are you doing? I said, intermittent fasting. And with a lot of nerves, he was actually happy. He's like, oh, congratulations. You only have 20 more pounds to go. What? And I was like, oh, no. Is he from Venezuela? No. No. But actually, his scale, he has a little sign on the wall that says the dreaded scale. <laughs> oh. oh.
0: <laughs> he wanted you to try to lose a little bit more.
1: Yes. So he wants kind of to see me in the 120 range. Okay. Okay. So I, I've never gotten there. And I know that my body would want to get there. So right now I'm in the ADF, but I'm not being super strict. I am not weighing myself all the time going to let my body decide
0: well i would like to have a chat with him (laughs) here's what i want you to do melissa and also everybody who's listening this is a great resource that i would really like people to take a look at it's called the smart bmi and you just google the phrase smart bmi and you go to it and you put in your height and your weight and your age And it like adjusts it based on your age. And so it actually, as we get older, what is considered to be a healthy normal range actually does go up just because as we get older, people who are frail and really, really skinny as they get older can have worse health outcomes. Like your body might not be able to really handle an illness. So as we get older, we can put on a little more weight. And still be healthy. Like some research indicates error on the side of a little heavier as we're aging versus on the skinnier side as we're aging. Anyway, their data is based on research. But I like it because it puts less pressure on us than the traditional BMI scale. And it keeps in mind that as we age, our bodies are going to be different. Yeah. So. Go look at that as well. And I know BMI is flawed in general just because, you know, it doesn't take into effect how much is body fat, how much is muscle. You know, someone could be an Olympic athlete with a whole lot of lean muscle, like they're a bodybuilder, and it shows them as obese, but they don't have any fat to lose. So BMI is flawed. But the smart BMI is a great tool. People who think they need to lose, you know, a certain amount of weight might be surprised that they're already in a healthy weight range for their age. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) Because it sounds like your doctor is using that formula, that old tried and true, 100 pounds for the first five feet and then five pounds per inch. So for five four, that would put you at 120. Yeah. For me, it would put me at 125, which I have not seen on the scale. So I, your doctor would probably tell me I needed to lose weight, too. <laughs> Actually, he wouldn't because I refuse to get on the scale even at the doctor's office. <laughs> I don't get on No, seriously. I go and they're like, get on the scale. I'm like, nope. Oh, Wow. <laughs> I'm like, you do not need to know. I don't need to know. No one needs to know. (laughs) If I was going to have surgery and I needed weight-based medicine or something, okay, we could talk about it. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I just don't want to see the number because if it came back and it said like 135 or something, I'd be like, oh, no, I need to lose weight. I don't want to have that pressure on me. So I'm happy in my body. Anyway, I don't know that you need to lose 20 pounds, but (laughs) I will never tell someone to go against their doctor's advice, but... Take a look at that smart BMI. Yeah, I will. Yeah. So, but you're not, you're not obsessed with the number. No, I'm trying not to. Yes. I got to say I
1: was obsessed with numbers before, but I'm trying to let go. And I always have your voice playing in my head. I'm glad.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's all I want. My mission has morphed into, over the years, helping people find a lifestyle that feels good in a body that feels good without having to sacrifice to the point that you're miserable to try to get to a magic number, just because someone had shared in the advanced Facebook group years ago, and it was a girl in the community and the Facebook group, the advanced group that had before and after pictures where it looked like she had lost like 30 to 40 pounds, but she had only lost one pound on the scale oh because she had a ton of body fat in the first picture and then she did a lot of exercise and working out and so she built a ton of lean muscle and her whole body looked like 30 40 pounds down but it was one pound different oh wow and ever since then i'm like you just really can't worry about the scale so much yeah do you have any clothes from way back in the day like your wedding dress
1: actually my mom turned the wedding dress into my daughter's first communion dress. Well, you sure can't fit
0: into that. So no. <laughs> <laughs> it would be fun to try, if you had that or something old, to try it back on and see. Because someone in the delight on Tonight community asked to see my honesty score. Oh. You know, I talk about my Lily Pulitzer honesty score. And someone said... Because I talked about we were moving over here and bringing all of my clothes. And they're like, well, if you find your honesty score, would you take a picture wearing it? So I did, and I put it in the community. But in the meantime, I tried on a bunch of things, like my wedding dress and things that I had saved. And it's just fun to, you know, say, hey, you know, this my wedding dress is still too big for me, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but do, you don't have any clothes like that?
1: Well, I have a pair of pants that when I got to 130, they fit. So, and now they fit little tight. Little so tight, okay. My daughter.
0: <laughs> so, save those pants because those can be your goal pants. You know, rather than a number on the scale, maybe your goal should be for those pants to fit well. Yeah. And that might happen at 135. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> I think that's a really good goal. I have
1: some non-scale victories.
0: Oh, I can't wait to hear them.
1: Yeah. So, I feel like my skin has cleared. I feel more confident. Happy. I feel that I can go shopping with my girls that are 15 years old, and we all have a lot of fun shopping and kind of putting similar clothes on. They have been very supportive, all my kids and my husband. Actually, my husband is now fasting. I love it. He does 16, 8. And then he also does one day a week that he does one meal a day. I love that. Yes. So he's doing great. My son skips breakfast. I'm not forcing them to eat. Like, it used to be like, have a snack. And you know. <laughs> so I have changed our food here too. I read the
0: Glucose Goddess book. Yeah. So good. It's called The Glucose Revolution for anybody who's wondering. And she has a new one where she like goes more into, I haven't seen the new one yet, but it just came out recently where she does more instruction about how to actually apply her glucose hacks.
1: Yeah. So what I do is I apply some of those hacks for my kids. So I have them oh, good. start with the veggies and stuff like that, but they don't, I'm
0: not forcing them to fast or anything like that. But it's good habits. You're teaching them good habits and you're teaching them why. Like, why are we starting with vegetables? See, that's the part that I missed growing up when they said, eat your vegetables because of the vitamins. And I'm like, oh, well, or I'll just take a vitamin. Hello. (laughs) I'll eat a burger and have a vitamin. And I didn't understand. But if you explain... You know, now that we know so much more, it's not just you don't just eat a vegetable because of the vitamin. Yeah, a vitamin pill won't substitute it. We eat the vegetables because it controls your blood sugar spike, and here's why that matters. And then you're like, oh, health is so much more than just you know those vitamins.
1: Yes, and food becomes more fun too. Yeah, because you know why you're eating things. So I love
0: that. I yeah.
1: love that. I feel like my face is less
0: puffy, less inflammation.
1: Yes, in the pictures, I have some before and after pictures and I am like, wow, I can't even recognize my face.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but you lost a lot of weight. Someone came over yesterday and had coffee with me and she's like, no, I don't know that I've really seen pictures of you looking big. I'm like, oh, look at this. (laughs) (laughs) And it felt like my face was like squished, you know, like someone had inflated it. And it just, it's hard to remember feeling that way, but it feels good to recognize yourself again, doesn't it? Yes,
1: yes. Yeah, I feel like myself. I have uh, better nails, better
0: hair. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. So you really have changed what y'all are eating at home. Yes. And the kids, are they're okay with that. Sometimes it can be hard with teenagers. They've been great with it. I love that my
1: little one, she's only 11 years old, and she's like, Mommy, remember when we used to go to Costco Before fasting, like she feels like she's fasting. (laughs) 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 And before we knew anything about fasting, you would let me eat popcorn. And now I don't eat popcorn in the middle of the day.
0: Oh, I love it. Because just teaching our kids that we don't need to snack all the time. You right. know, I mean, it's that is ingrained in them. You know, I was an elementary teacher for 28 years and started in 1990, and things were very different back then. But by the time I retired in 2018, the children were literally eating all throughout the day, constantly, or either drinking something with flavor in it or eating a snack nonstop. And they think they have to. You know, they go play soccer, and they're immediately served a snack right after. So we just reinforce it, reinforce it, must be constantly eating. Yeah. Our kids Kids are not healthy. If you look around in general, our kids of America are not healthy.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: But I bet yours are.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They don't snack anymore. So I'm happy about that. (laughs) That's good. Yeah.
0: I remember Will, he was at Governor's Honors Program back when he was in high school and he texted me. He said, why do we eat so weird? (laughs) I guess he was there it was like his first time away from home for a few weeks and he was there. And I guess everybody else was different than we were. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Sorry that we're weird. <laughs> <laughs> for a few years after he left home, he was like eating the ramen noodles and the snacks. But oh. now he's gone back to how I taught him. So that's good. That's good. <laughs> it really is. So as far as like being active. You know, before you said you always associated exercise with weight loss. Are you active now?
1: Well, I go for walks with friends in the
0: morning. And yeah, that's
1: all I do as exercise. I wish I, I did more. I know that I should start doing some weights and stuff like that just for myself. But I don't have that much time right now.
0: So Yeah, I, that's something in the back of my mind, too, because I know that as I'm aging, it's more important to build the muscle. So I haven't quite gotten that into the routine yet. So you know, yesterday I was jumping on my rebounder. I use my vibration plate, but I think I want to get some bands. I just interviewed somebody who's a trainer, and he talked about the bands. And I'm like, I could do those bands, the resistance bands for building muscle. So that's on my agenda. Yeah. Get some resistance bands because you could just keep those like under the couch or something.
1: I actually have one in the car because sometimes I'm waiting for the kids and I'm like, okay, maybe I should do
0: these. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. I could do it while I'm recording the podcast because I'm a fidgeter. Like, right, you can't see what I'm doing, but I have a rubber band and I'm fidgeting yeah. with it. I am so fidgety. Yeah, <laughs> so you need one of those. <laughs> I'm literally sitting here playing with rubber bands while we're talking. So I guess I just need bigger ones and it would be yeah. the same thing. I am such a fidgeter. <laughs> I can't help it. But you said you like to walk. That is really, really a good thing to do for our bodies. You know, we think that unless you're running a marathon, it doesn't count. But walking is excellent for us.
1: Yeah, so I walk every day for an hour with my friends. And, you know, we talk and walk and it's fun. And that's activity. Yeah. Yes. I have shared a lot about intermittent fasting. I do have a little group, a Facebook group, that are my closest friends. I'm always, like, posting
0: things there that I read or that you said or Gene <laughs> <Jean> says. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great because, you know, I have not These Repeat, share without fear, because like you were afraid to tell your doctor, but then your doctor was thrilled. We worry in our minds about what people are going to say. And if someone doesn't like it, that's their problem, not ours. But if we share and we can change one person's life. I just joined this group. I'm back on Facebook as Jen Stevens, the person. I'll never have Facebook groups that I manage anymore. But when we moved here last year, I wanted to connect with a local community, you know, to Surfside Beach, see what people were doing. And I'm really glad that I did, but I just joined a group It's like Surfside Beach, Morals like Girlfriends, where people have like events. So we went to trivia. These people I'd never met before went to trivia. And the girl sitting beside me, who I'd never met before, talks about a diet she's going on tomorrow. (sighs) And I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, these girls don't know what I do. They don't know anything about me. Do I tell her about fasting or do I sit here and mind my own business?
1: (laughs) Oh, my. You said something?
0: Of course I did. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I could not keep it to myself because she was getting ready to start one of those programs that you pay a lot of money for and you eat six times a day and it's packaged food that they sell you and it's ultra processed food. None of it's real. I'm like, look, I'm just going to tell you this, you know, take what you want from it. I just couldn't keep it to myself. (laughs) But I'm always afraid. And that's me. Jen Stevens afraid. But I also think people are going to be afraid that I'm like trying to just get them to buy my book or something. Yeah. You know, I'm like, no, I'm not just trying to get you to buy my book, you know, (laughs) get from the library if you want to. I really think this could change your life. (laughs) Oh,
1: wow. Yeah, no, I have shared with a lot of people too. And I feel like I have changed some people's lives. They are always like so happy to tell me, I lost 10 pounds, I, I lost 20. And so
0: I'm super happy for them too. It's such a good feeling. That's why you share. If you could change somebody's life. You know, like someone will come into the community and they'll say, I got my 81-year-old mom to start intermittent fasting and then share her health victories, you know. And it's just like, wow. You know, what if you never, if no one had shared it with you?
1: Yeah. My mom actually lost 30 pounds. Oh, go mom. Tell her I said congratulations. Yes. And uh, I mean, I never thought she had that many on her but she did, her
0: blood pressure stabilized. So it's good. Yeah, that's amazing. So we have this answer that we could share. And if we don't, we could be stopping someone from living their best life by being afraid to share. So that's why I shared anyway. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, you don't have to do it, but if you want to, here's a podcast, you might want to listen, a few people listen.
1: I actually have something written in my notes already with your podcast, your books. It said, if you
0: want to learn about intermittent fasting, this is what you need to. Well, it's probably easier to tell somebody about Jen Stevens than for me to tell them about myself. Yeah. And again, of course, it's the black coffee. So, well, I couldn't do that. I'm like, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> And another girl in the group that I met last Wednesday for coffee, she's starting to drink the black coffee. So she's doing it. And we went to something yesterday that they have on the beach here. It always shocks me when this happens. It doesn't happen often. But someone came up to me and said, are you Jen Stevens Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) on the beach? I'm like, yes. It always is a surprise. But people are ready to hear about it. They're ready to do it. They want to change their lives. And they are just as frustrated as you and I were when we gave up. Yeah. They want something that's easy that they can do forever. Yes.
1: Yes. I feel this is a lifestyle that I can
0: live forever. Well, is there anything you struggle with?
1: Well, at the beginning, making meals for my kids, I didn't realize how much I would put in my mouth while making meals or when that lunchbox came home and it had one carrot. Okay, let me get it. You know, I would eat it. It was the trash can. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's a normal mom behavior, right? Because we don't want to waste the food. You're like, well, you didn't eat the crust of your grilled cheese. I love the crust of a grilled cheese. (laughs) (laughs) That was a little bit of a struggle. But like you have repeated
1: in your podcast, you know, you got to treat it as your job. You're just doing something. You don't need to eat it. You don't need to think about it. Just do it. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: I started cooking like that and, you know, I'm not a very good cook anyway. So it didn't matter if it didn't taste that good or it was too salty
0: or less salty. You know, they had to eat what I made. So that's really funny. You're like, I don't know. I don't need to taste it. You're going to taste it. Right. (laughs) That is a great strategy, though. If you have someone you're cooking for, let them. I mean, you can always add more salt. They can add salt to taste. You don't have to taste it. They can taste it and add what they want. Yeah. So here's the shaker. Make it taste good. Or cheese. Cheese makes everything taste good. And the cheese, that's true. Cheese does make everything taste good. <laughs> that is a fact. So yeah.
1: That was my struggle, I think, at the beginning. And also on the down days that I would sit with my family and they would ask, Why aren't you eating, mommy? Why aren't you eating? That's not good. Of course, I gave, told them all their lives it was not good not to eat.
0: So and now I'm here sitting, not eating. (laughs) Right. They had to unlearn that. And kids really understand well when you say something like, I've got an adult body. Adult bodies are done growing. We don't need as much food because we're not growing anymore. (laughs) Then they're like, oh, kids totally get it. (laughs) And that helps them understand, well, you do not have an adult body. So you are still growing and developing and you do need to eat because they do have different needs than we do. Yeah, But you don't need to eat when you're not hungry. And you don't need to eat just because everybody else is eating and you don't need to snack all the time. Yes. So
1: I don't pack snacks for them anymore. And I said, this is perfect. You can talk to your friends. You can connect more instead of being eating and you can play more. So, you know, they actually
0: took to it really well. I love that. Kids really do, and and they understand it. And a lot of people do worry, especially with girls. They're like, what message am I sending my girls? But, you know, I really look back on the message that I learned from my mother. I mean, she wasn't trying to do this to me, all, all of us. Our mothers were just doing their best. But her struggles with weight and dieting impacted me a lot greater than if I had just seen her enjoying food and not stressing about it. So I really think that for your kids to see you fast, feast, repeat. Yes. They see you, no big deal, I'm not eating right now. Then they see you eat food that is delicious with no stress. Yes.
1: Actually, I think one of the biggest things was that I, you know, in the down day, I wasn't eating, but then on my up day, I was able to eat a hamburger or a pizza that they had always seen me avoid. So they were kind of surprised, like, you're eating pizza? And I'm like, yes, I'm eating pizza. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Pizza is delicious. Yes. (laughs) Although, are you as much of a pizza snob as I am now? I am getting to become a snob on certain foods. (laughs) Yeah, like all pizza is not equal. Like if you tried to make me eat, you know, a cheap, (laughs) first of all, a pizza from the grocery store, I'm definitely not going to eat. You know, the frozen pizza, I used to get those, the kind that were frozen pizzas, like the really cheap ones. When we were in college, we were, of course, on a budget. There was a brand called Mr. P's Pizza, I think was the name of it. It cost 89 cents. Oh, my. And they were like the worst ultra-processed pizza you could imagine in the world. We would eat those because we had 89 cents. And I would not eat that now if you paid me. I want a good pizza, a really high quality pizza, because that's really satisfying, loaded up with veggies. (laughs) Yes, yes. My
1: taste has changed too. I am becoming more a veggie connoisseur. We cook a lot of veggies and my mom lives with us. So then, you know, I have a partner on eating veggies since the kids like veggies, but they don't
0: love them. (laughs) Not as much as you. Yeah. Yeah. So does she still cook like the traditional Venezuelan dishes? Not much. She's not much of a cook. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. My mother was not a good cook. I'm just going to go right out and say it. (laughs) I am a really good cook. My two grandmothers were both amazing cooks, but my mother was not. It skipped a generation. (laughs) I'm just imagining your mother, like, cooking these amazing traditional Venezuelan meals and thinking how great that sounds. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Like, what are some traditional Venezuelan foods? I imagine beans are big. Are they big? Yeah. Yeah. Fontains. Oh, yeah. Rice. Yum.
1: Beef. We have something called arepas, which is like a tortilla. My husband calls it a thick tortilla. Okay. So those are really good. I would eat all that. So she makes arepas and the kids love them.
0: Yeah, I love all kinds of Central and South American food. That is just right up my alley. That's, those are just some of my favorite flavors of all. I haven't traveled in South America, though. I bet it's just beautiful down there. The beaches are beautiful, yes. Oh, yeah. I would like to travel there. <laughs>
1: well, not right now, but... <laughs> Maybe later when things get better in Venezuela.
0: It's a tough political climate right now. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I will wait.
1: I will wait. But
0: do you ever go back home?
1: No, I went when the kids were very young. I took my son and then I went back when the twins were born. So I took all three babies and then, you know, things got worse. So I wasn't able to take my fourth. Okay.
0: So that's why your mom is with y'all then. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't even think about that. I never think about politics. I'm just (laughs) living my life over here. But okay, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I love the joy that you're telling your story with because it feels so heavy when we're heavy, right? Yes. It's not just that we're physically heavy, we're emotionally heavy. And you just have this lightness of being about you just where the freedom just shines through of the lifestyle. Yeah, you gave me this freedom. Thank you. Oh, well, they got I just told you about it. You gave it to yourself. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really the best motivation of all knowing that you really can enjoy your life without the stress of constant diet thoughts. I and mean, that doesn't mean you're never going to think a diet thought. You know, sometimes it, that pops up like, should I eat this? Should I not? Like last night, I didn't eat two days in a row. I had really short windows because of things I was doing. And then last night at 9 30, I, mean, I hadn't opened my window till six, and at 9:30, my stomach was literally growling, and I'm like, "It's 9: 30." I'm like, "But I am legitimately hungry." But I had a diet thought of, I should not eat at 9:30. Yeah. I'm like, but I'm hungry, and I had a one-hour window, so I made myself some Ezekiel toast. Nice. And then I felt better. And so I'm like, "You know, when you put all this together, I only had a three and a half-hour window. So why am I telling myself I can't eat at 9:30? Yes, I can. <laughs> yes. So learning how to, you know, acknowledge is this real hunger? And even yeah. I have those thoughts from time to time. Well, I
1: feel like I would like to get in touch with that. I'm still kind of working with my body and kind of figuring out when I'm hungry, really hungry, and when I'm not. And when am I satisfied enough to stop eating? You know, I read that book that uh, you have recommended
0: but it hasn't clicked in yet. Oh, the appetite correction book. It's not always easy. And the funny thing, the night before, I had that exact same hunger feeling at right around 9.30. We had been to the Trivia, like I said, and I would eaten a pretty hearty meal at Trivia, and it was 9.30, and I'm like, oh, I'm a little hungry. I'm like, I don't really need to eat. So that night, I was like, I don't really need to eat. But then the second night, again, of a short, tight window, and I was legitimately hungry, and I'm like, I really am hungry. I'm going to eat. But the first night I didn't really need to, but the second night I did. So I listened. And today I'll probably open my window a little earlier just because, you know, two days of really short, tight windows. And yeah, I need to eat a little more today. So you really do get better at that over time. I am so many years in.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm sure I'm trying to find that that voice. I'm trying to find that sight that you said that there is when we're eating,
0: right? So that... (gasps) okay, I'm full. (laughs) I've had enough. Exactly. So we're almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started?
1: I would say, don't think that you cannot do it without trying it first. Start delaying your breakfast and do it little by little. I would say read listen to podcasts, inform yourself. So you exchange all those messages that we have been given for so many years with these newer, updated, scientifically proven messages,
0: all the knowledge that
1: we have now. And of course, your book. Read
0: your oh, book. Well, thank you. I really think so. Not just because I want to sell you a book. Like I said, you can get it from the library. You can listen on Audible for the free trial. And, you know, you do not have to pay a penny to listen to my book. You're going to want to have a paperback copy oh, yes. <laughs> of your own to flip back to. But, You know, it's because the information is there and it's all there when you need it. And I just was lucky enough to compile all the good information into one place in a way that people could understand. So that's my teacher gift coming out. But the information is there and you can do it. Yes. Well, Melissa, it has been such a joy to talk to you and stay connected. Let me know. Keep me posted how it goes. I want to know where your body settles. (laughs) Thanks. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window.